This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis, your host. Overcoming. Overcomers. Jesus talked a lot about overcoming the evils of this world. He told us to overcome just as he had overcome the world. But before I get into being an overcomer, I want to mention to you that without a doubt, we need to get a grip on the fact that we will soon leave this body and we will go to be with the Lord. In fact, that is our hope. I've just gone through the parting of a family member, and it was completely unexpected. It's been hard for me to wrap my emotions around this departing, but it's been a good test of where my trust really lies. Do I trust God in the eternal, or do I just trust Him here and now? Sure, there's a time of mourning. I've been through mourning. My family members have been through mourning. And mourning is a good thing. We have to go through it. We have to give up. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. You know, Jesus and also Paul use the the word sleep instead of death. For example, when Jesus was about to raise the little girl from the dead, all the mourners were in the room mourning and uh, making loud morning noises. And Jesus told him, hey, quit this because she is asleep. Now, everybody laughed at him because they knew that she was dead. Her spirit was out of her body. But Jesus knew that she was alive and that he was going to bring her back. She was only asleep. Or Lazarus, when the apostles uh, talked about going back uh, to help Lazarus. Jesus told him that he was asleep. The apostle said, hey, if he's asleep, let him sleep because he's going to get better. But Jesus was talking about his death and finally had to tell his apostles, Lazarus is dead. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10 teaches us that when we live, we are in the tent of this body. We are away from the presence of the Lord. And uh, when we are away from the tent, then we are in the presence, the very place where God lives. Philippians 1, through 24, Paul is speaking. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So we see here that Paul is telling us that to be with Christ is better by far. Remember the thief that was hanging on the cross next to Jesus. He finally submitted himself to Christ, and he said, Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus told him, You will be with me in paradise today. So those who pass into eternity are with the Lord. They're in a paradise, an amazing place, peace, 
beauty, love, the life of God flowing through us, and God's very person and his presence right there in front of us. So we shouldn't mourn like the world does. We do mourn for our loss, and then we get over it because those who have passed on in the Lord are in a good place, and we're right behind them. James 4.14 says, Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You know, when I think about that, when I was a, a little boy, I used to think, I'll never die. I had so much life in me at the time, and I never thought I would die. Well, in a way, I never will die, because I'll just leave this body and go to be with God. I've listened to many people on YouTube and and a few different programs who have died and entered into the spiritual realm, went to be with God or saw Jesus or angels. There is a spiritual world after this one. And that leads into my topic. What are we to do now? In the meantime, we are to overcome, overcome the patterns of this world, overcome the lies that Satan has so blatantly and and powerfully laid out in front of us that are different from the ways of God. Let me read Mark 13, 5 through 13. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues on account of me. You will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested or brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what you will say. Just say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit." Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his children. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Even everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So what do we have here? First of all, Jesus is telling us in the end times there's going to be trouble. We have, first of all, religious deception. We have so many different religions now, all of them claiming to be the truth and the way to God. I remember uh, a guy telling me many years ago, I was trying to tell him to stay with his wife, and uh, he was kind of broken at the time because they were separating. And I told him, Jesus is the way, and you have to follow Jesus. And he said, I believe there's many ways to God. And that is deception. You have Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus. You have all kinds of religions, Mormons, Jehovah Witness, Christian scientists. You have spiritualists. You have so many different ones. All of this is religious deception. Jesus told us, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. No one has shed precious divine blood for the forgiveness of sin except Jesus. So next we have all types of wars and rumors of wars. Then disasters, famines, earthquakes, and then Christian persecution arises. Now, Christian persecution has been going on for a long time, but it is rising. There is more persecution today than there ever has been. If you look in the last 200 years, you'll see the persecution arise quite a bit. Family destruction is the next warning that Jesus gives us. God made the family unit. You know, father, mother, children. This is a fantastic uh, unit of people that work together, uh, live together, love each other. It's an amazing thing. And Satan hates the family. So he wants to destroy the family. And he is working hard at that all over the world. There's many places people don't even believe in marriage anymore. Finally, there is pure hatred for Christians Jesus warns us here in Mark, because they hate Jesus, because Jesus lives in us, they're going to hate us also. You see, Jesus, when he comes in his love, exposes the sin in people's lives so that they can see their need and repent and come to God. And when we live for Jesus and Jesus is living in us, then people will see our lifestyle and that will convict them of sin. Look at the life of one of the most influential Christians. I think he's the most influential Christian in all the world. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 27. This is Paul the Apostle, and he is speaking uh, there to the Corinthians. He says, uh, talking about other apostles and other prophets, he says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to be talking like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger of rivers, in danger of bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Listen to the problems that Paul went through, the, you know, this great Christian man. Why do I say all of this? Two reasons. We as Americans up to this point have lived in freedom to love God and serve God openly, uh, for hundreds of years, we've been able to do this because of the sacrifices of many men and women who have sought after God and taught their uh, children the ways of God. And that has passed on from generation to generation. But as we 
a, a rebellious country now, the United States of America, as we rebel against the commandments of God and tear down everything that God has built in our nation, we hate our neighbors, we sacrifice our children in more ways than one, we push God aside, all of his commandments, we uh, do not pay attention to him. In doing these things, we are relinquishing his protection and his prosperity. We are turning his spirit and his way away from us, and that will bring disaster on us. Now, I don't say this as a fear monger, but I'm telling you that it is important that we as individuals overcome the evils of this world, even when the whole our whole country and the, and the whole North America is turning away from God. It is our responsibility as an individual to follow after Christ. He'll always have a remnant, a, a cutout people for himself, even when the world is, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Boy, this verse sums it up for me. One of my favorite verses. We are to live in such a way, crucified to the flesh, and Christ living in us, a living sacrifice. This is what God is desiring from us. Not to conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the only way our mind is going to be renewed is by our time, intimate time, in Bible reading, Bible study, in fellowship with other believers, and worship of God. Psalms 91. Um, I don't know if you've read this lately, but it is a tremendous chapter of promises. I just love this psalm, and I uh, speak it out loud many times. I've actually memorized it and, and speak it out of memory before the Lord with my hands open, raised up, palms up to Him as I pray this psalm. But those, there's a stipulation here, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, those who trust Him, that is when the promises are going to bloom. It's when we trust, when we spend time in that secret place with Him. Even when we're in distressing times, we come to Him and surrender to Him. That's when the promises of God bloom in our life. There's many places in the Bible, and there's many promises that God has given to us. But there is... um there's a need for us to know the promises and to receive those promises. There's kind of a cost here that we trust and we rely on God in order for those promises to come uh, and bloom in our lives. In the book of Revelation, Jesus confronts sin in, in the churches, especially in the first few chapters where he talks to the churches. He lays out their sin and the problems 
in their churches. And he lays out the the possible punishment. He also tells them and praises them for the good things that they're doing. Uh, But he tells the churches that they must hear what he is saying, believe him, and act on that belief to overcome the world, to overcome Satan and, and all of his forces and all of the lies that he puts out. The word overcome here uh, can also be translated as conquer. We are to conquer. And the Greek word is nikao. The Greek meaning here is to be the victor, to conquer, to win over this world and the evil that is trying to suck us in and destroy our life and destroy our relationship with the Lord. Remember the importance of worship, Bible reading, Bible study, and going to a good church. Very important. Many of the churches uh, that that are in the United States today are not in really good shape. So we have to take it upon ourselves to make sure that we are doing what God wants us to do. I remember when uh, my wife and I moved to Brecon, Scotland, uh, back in the 90s. <clears throat> I wanted to integrate with the uh, Christians there in uh, Scotland. And so we went to the First Baptist Church in Brecon. It was a very large uh, church, and uh, at one time it must have been a glorious place. But as we went into that sanctuary, I can remember it now, walking in there, the sanctuary, very large with pews, the roof was beginning to cave in. There was dust everywhere. It was dark and damp. And I thought, oh my goodness, what has happened here? And then the pastor came out and he said, hey, we're back here. So we walked back there. There was only uh, three or four believers in there praying. And uh, me and my wife went in with our kids. That church was completely dilapidated. It was like it was like a mockery uh, in my mind to the goodness of God. I watched just recently an article uh, on CBN about the churches being repurposed in Ireland and how the church was no longer a part of the Irish um, society, and it was such a sad thing to see. And and. The reason I'm saying this is because even if there's not a good church, it is our responsibility personally to stay in, in integrated with the Lord, to be reading our Bible, to be praying, to be praying for other people, to be worshiping uh, the Lord, and find the best church you can and get in there and do you know, the work that you need to do in that church. But remember, it is our responsibility personally. And as we do this personally, uh, and as we do it as a family, then we will make an impact on our neighbors and the gospel will spread through us. I'm going to tell you a little biblical secret now. Well, I can't really say it's a secret. It's just a truth. The unity of the church in a city uh, or in a metro area, is the key to God's presence and revival. See, many of the churches now, they, they don't work together. Uh, they, actually, uh, they actually work against each other. And because of difference, 
differences of beliefs. You know, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Lutheran, I'm Episcopal, I'm Catholic, I'm Protestant, I'm Pentecostal, whatever it is. They don't work together. And it is so important for there to be unity in the body because Jesus talks about the church in the city being his church. And so we have different churches, but we should be in unity with each other. Uh, I have a good friend in Arkansas, and he's a prayer warrior and just a beloved brother. And his goal is to bring unity in his little community by going to all the churches and gathering together for a prayer meeting. This is a powerful move. And as the people come together, then the enemy, well, first of all, the Lord will come in and God's presence will be there and that will drive out the enemy. John sixteen thirty three. back to talking about overcoming the Greek word nikao is used by Jesus. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have conquered the world. The very victory Jesus won, he is asking us to continue that victory in our lives with his strength. And that is the most important thing we can do. Put Christ first in our lives, live a living sacrifice, know his word, receive his promises, and then we will be able to overcome the ways of the world. This has been the Clean Soul Podcast with Dennis Curtis. If you have questions or comments, feel free to visit me at thecleansoul.org.